What's up, everyone? This is Hannah with the Healthy Charleston Podcast. I am a physical therapist here in Charleston, and I am the new host of this podcast. This podcast is meant to give you the correct health and fitness information, along with spreading awareness of all of the different health and fitness professionals here in Charleston. I love being able to use this podcast as a way to meet all of those around me that are trying to make the world a better place. And my mission as a PT is to educate people and to empower them to take ownership and control of their health. This is season three of the podcast. You can find us on Instagram at Healthy Charleston. Otherwise, thank you so much for listening. Enjoy the show. You. Thanks so much for listening to the show. This podcast is sponsored by Made to Move Physical Therapy, and we believe that movement is medicine. If you have been dealing with pain that's preventing you from doing what you love, and if you're looking for a healthcare provider to help you meet your goals, then go to madetomovept.com slash contact us. That two is the number two. Fill out the form and reference the Healthy Charleston podcast. Listeners get 10% off their first session. What's up, everyone? Welcome back to the Healthy Charleston Podcast. This is your host, Dr. Hannah Briel, and today I'm with the Made to Move team, and we're talking about what we've been up to and where to find us this month. We are hosting a couple of workshops. We're having a happy hour, and we'd love for you to join. So stay tuned to hear details for that. On today's episode, we sat down to discuss a couple of recent patient stories that all have to do with the power and the theme of self-efficacy. So we feel that so often in our healthcare system, the control seems to be taken away from us, and we're discussing why we believe it's so important to help our patients feel confident and in control, and we're also talking about changing the goal of PT. We're not just here to get you out of pain. Pain is not the only outcome measure. We're here to help you add value back into your life and get you back to doing the things that are meaningful to you. So self-efficacy is how someone is able to cope with a situation based on the skills they have and the circumstances they face. So it's very, very multifaceted and affects every aspect of human behavior. So of course we do go down the rabbit hole of pain a little bit. It's hard not to with this conversation. And we also want to give a big shout out to Team Rhapsody, Christian Mathis, Jared Shaw, Stephanie Rodriguez, and Owen Bernstein, who are competing in the CrossFit semifinals the weekend of June 18th. And another shout out to Jason Hopper and his coach, Jared Shaw. If you're into CrossFit and you watched the Mid-Atlantic semifinals, you saw Jason dominate. Super cool to watch. And you also saw Brooke Wells competing, and it made us have a discussion about movement quality. What does it mean to move well? Is it just aesthetically pleasing? Are there injury implications to moving well versus not moving well? And, or is it all just about performance? And watching her compete in this competition compared to other competitions, that's what brought it up. So stay tuned to hear our thoughts, everyone. Thank you for listening. Enjoy this episode. All right, everyone, welcome back to the Healthy Charleston podcast. On today's episode, we got the team together. So we got Zoom Eve. What's up? Zoom Eve. In-person Dane. Hey, hey. Also known as Danger. Danger. And in-person Rachel. Hit me. Welcome, guys. 
So we're going to start doing these more regularly because we all know you're wondering what do we do with our free time? What are we up to? What's been cooking? So let's go ahead and update the people. Where can you find Made to Move this month? What are we up to? What have we been doing? Oh, man. Uh, Rachel got engaged. That's what I want oh, to say. Oh, yeah. Let's start yeah. off with that. That did happen. Yeah. The big dude. Like two days ago, right? Yeah. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, it's Congrats. awesome. Thank you. Not wearing her ring um, already. I got fat thingies. <laughs> <laughs> if you're listening to this and you're about to propose, get a size big like go bigger if you don't know how it, it, ask a friend it was snug it was snug i'm scared like, what if you can't on. get the ring on i was so nervous yeah it's just ruined right there Pretty what much. if you can never get it off i mean i got all this happened we had to use dog soap and i was almost crying but yeah no everything's fine we're, we're happy um, what a good story though what a good story located at right now eve i am in lake powell where's that i don't know i think there's a <laughs> <laughs> it's a place where the time changes all the time. Every hour. Yeah, every minute the time changes. What time so are you in? Um, I'm in Mountain Standard Time, so it's I think it's 11 here or 12. Either 11 or 12. It goes between those. You don't know? That's so weird. Super weird. It says that because I'm right on the border, they say it literally happens to everybody around here. The time will just change frequently. If you got your iPhone, it literally is changing. I swear. How do you schedule things with people? I don't know. I've been trying to figure that out all day. <laughs> oh, Via text at the last minute. Hey, are you ready? Yeah, I'm ready. All right. No, let's actually, do it. it's next hour. Okay, right. cool. So, May to move. What are we doing this month? It's We've got uh, quite a bit. It's June uh, 21, right? Um, so, I guess the first thing we have going on is on the 9th of June, we have a train the trainer workshop over at Longevity. So, we're heading over to Longevity Fitness downtown. Um, Hannah and uh, our friend Kayla are going to be out there doing uh, a little train the trainer talk. Mm -hmm. So that'll be awesome. Uh, great facility, right? Beautiful. Mm -hmm. On the 19th, we've got um, Frequency Fitness, Mobilities and Mimosa, Mimosa, Mobilities. Mobility and Mimosas. Yeah. The plural like is the drink. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I mean, you can mobile Mobilities too. No. Um, <laughs> That's how many mimosas. So that'll be at like 9.15. Uh, so if you're a frequency fan, come out. and uh, Or if you're a mimosa fan, whatever. Um, 9.15 on the 19th. That'll be good. That'll be me and Hannah. And then we've got a happy hour on June yeah. 25th. Friday, Common House Ale Works job, in Park Circle. And that'll be, I think, at like 5.30 we're going to kick that off. We are going to throw some axes before that at... I think bearded, the, the bearded, bearded axe. axe. Yeah. yeah. So um, you're welcome to, to come to that and do that, but you got to pay your own way of throwing axes. All right? <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, that's June 25th. Uh, excited to, to see everybody out and about and have a beer. So happy hours at Common House at 530. 530 on the 25th. Yeah. Perfect. Um, and tomorrow we have a photo shoot. Photo shoot. Take your pine. Take your pine. Right. Yeah. It's going to be fun. And then after that, it's the 4th of July. Woo! Um, not completely related to Made to Move, but our friends over at Rhapsody are competing in the semifinal on the weekend of June 18th. What semifinal is it? I don't remember. Is it? Oh, it's Atlas, isn't Atlas. it? Because it's the yeah, one that's in Canada, so it's yeah. virtual. Um, so Christian, Jared, Steph, and Owen will be competing there. So that's super exciting. Mm -hmm. Um, so I wanted to start off and talk a little bit about some success stories or some like patient stories, things that have been going well in the clinic. Um, and Rachel, I believe you had an amazing one if you want to start. Oh, yes, yeah. I would love to. Yeah. Recent. 
So as everyone knows, Murph just happened. Intentionally a very hard workout. We all know it's super significant for a very great reason that we all are thankful for the people who have made huge sacrifices. Uh, it definitely means something to a lot of people in the CrossFit community to be able to participate. I've been working um, with a patient now for a few months. He's a little bit older, um, in his 60s, and he's very active in CrossFit, has a lot of really good goals. Uh, we've specifically been focusing on increasing his knee strength. His ability to load his knees and tolerate that well has been something we've been progressing. He's been doing very well with that. And he came to me like a month and a half ago and was basically like, hey, like I'm going to do Murph. And he hadn't run in two or three years. Okay. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so, so I was like, I, as you remember, little Murph does have some running and some air, just a few air squats. A couple of air. Couple, yeah. <laughs> Push up Smattering, yeah. Um, so I was like, okay, um, how does that look like? What version of that would you consider checking that box, right? Like your goal is to participate. What does that mean? Is there a certain level or threshold that would make that a yes or a no for you as far as did it count for you? Really fleshing that out of like, how much can we scale this essentially, right? And he was very much, I'm wearing a vest. I'm like, okay, okay. So you don't just want to run for the first time in two and a half years. You want to run for the first time in two and a half years with a vest. Cool, 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 cool. All right, all right. Sounds legit. <laughs> yeah, I love that. Um, so I was like, all right. We talked all about it and basically got to the point where he it was going to do Murph. And that, that's fine. He was very motivated and it meant a lot to him to be able to do that. So I was like, all right, well, my job is to prepare you as much as possible. And as much as that is loading your tissues, talking about smart training progressions, it's also talking about your expectations, right? So a lot of what we talk about many times back and forth over the weeks leading up, basically accepting, hey, is your main goal to have no knee pain ever? Or is your main goal right now to participate in MRF at the level that you want to participate in? Basically implying, we don't know how you're going to feel with this. We can try to prepare you, but it's going to be a stretch. You might have some pain and that's okay. We know that pain does not always mean damage. It's okay if you do have some pain. I just wanted him to know it was going to be a stretch, right? It was not something that I fully felt was in his wheelhouse at that point but he was so motivated to do it that he did everything we planned for on day of. He did it with a vest. He did interval running. He was so happy to be able to participate and it meant so much to him to be able to push himself for something with that, that important of a meaning. Um, so I thought that was just a huge testament to willpower and determination, but also important to realize that it's not always going to feel good every moment and that's okay. Sometimes that's actually the point, right? Mm. You're doing things that mean more than being comfortable means to you. So when he first came to me, his main thing was, I don't want to wake up in the night with knee pain. I don't want my knees to hurt. Okay, well, we, we checked that box, but you don't want them to hurt after doing what? There's a point any of us could go run way more than we'd been training for or do something. We'd probably have some pain or discomfort afterwards. As long as we're willing to accept that, when we keep things more or less tolerable, that's okay. So I think a big part of what I thought went well there was the conversations leading up to it and not telling him, no, you can't do it. Just setting the expectation and planning for something that he was not willing to give up. And I think that's okay. And it went well.
Yeah, it's like the perfect story of us like not telling people what to do, but like being their guide of not trying to impose our goals on them. But what are your goals and how can you help with that? How can you prepare for that mentally and physically? And I think the whole point of Murph is to be in pain. Right. Of course. So like, yeah, where yeah, you probably where, normally would. Yeah, like we're okay with like an hour of workout to be okay with pain. So we have to be okay that we might be in pain after. Mm-hmm. Right. And it, it's always different when there's a workout versus like if I move for 12 hours, mm-hmm. I'm not usually okay with the pain I felt after that, but it's the same thing. Like it's the same stimulus and demands on your body. So I think like being able to be active and be in a little bit of pain, that's not debilitating you. Like exactly. You've got to choose what do I want? Cause I'm going to sit on the couch all day and not be in pain right there. And then, but I'm going to have pain from not exercising. And then my, health is going to suck. Yeah. So like choose your, choose your heart. We, yeah. We talk about that all the time. Like the pain you choose, right? Life's not going to be pain free, nor should it be. I'd much rather have a little bit of soreness after doing some heavy deadlifts oh, and yeah. not be able to pick up my laundry basket because I'm afraid of that. Right. It's going to be uncomfortable at some point, but being able to choose when that is, I think is awesome. There's a, there's like a thousand things that you just said that I want to dig into, but the big piece, I think that people don't understand like high level look is that, and we say this all the time, it's easy for us, but not everyone understands this, is that pain and damage are not a one-to-one thing, right? Pain Absolutely. is not damage. So like we could probably say that every single day and every single day somebody like, really? Like, no way, that's crazy, right? And, and the second piece is just because you have pain doesn't mean something is wrong. And it is interesting to think about what people associate pain is damaging and pain is not damaging, right? Like how do we even develop those beliefs? Like who told us, oh, this kind of pain actually now I need a meniscus surgery or I need shoulder surgery and this kind of pain is okay. I don't need surgery. How did those beliefs even develop in some people? It's like, and we get to take the time kind of like what Rachel did to really understand and be able to explain those things so we can go out and do Murph and have pain and not, you know, basically say catastrophize it. I hate that word. I cannot say that word, but you know what I mean, right? It's not a catastrophe when he has pain and he's able to understand that and think of the freedom that comes from getting that kind of education and getting somebody to talk to you through that and be able to go through that goal. I mean, it's just, it's freaking amazing. Yeah. I think that, uh, you know, like the thing that stands out to me is just not telling people that they can't do things. Right. I, I, I just, the more I spend uh, time talking with patients or clients or athletes and, and the, the amount of times that I hear, you know, I shouldn't do this, or I've been told that I can't do this, or, you know, I, I can't do this because of pain, like whatever. It's just, I, it's so refreshing to have discussions where you can really center it around what do you want to accomplish? And then what is the expectation of your feelings post that event or post that goal or whatever? Because I don't care. Maybe you're not in pain at all. Like you don't have knee pain or anything else, but you want to go do an Ironman like, uh, you know, our friends uh, with axes or, you know, I ran a 50K last year or, you know, whatever the games athletes that we just watched this past weekend, there's going to be a trade-off there. And that trade-off is going to be discomfort it's going to be pain probably for a couple of days after the event. Um, but understanding that a, that's okay. And, and B um, that it's going to subside or, or that you know what to do following that pain um, because that's okay. And that's like where training is like getting comfortable being uncomfortable. 
like you said, like the games athletes or the, the CrossFitters, if I, like, I don't have knee pain. If I did Murph, like I'd have knee pain, whether it be during, whether it be after, I would also, my shoulders were sore for like a week last year, but it was like, because I accepted it and because it was intentioned, mm -hmm. it wasn't something that I even could catastrophize um, for your favorite word, Eve. <laughs> and I think the, the difference like that you bring up about like pain, why do we have differences? Like I go and run a mile, like it doesn't feel good. It hurts. I say I've never run before, even if I have running a mile is still hard. <laughs> My lungs hurt. Like it's hard to breathe. So why is that pain different right. than the way my knees feel after that run? It's like, why is the lung, the heart pain okay, but the knee pain is not? Exactly. When did we learn this one was bad and this one wasn't? And it's, I think we could probably have a whole separate podcast on that. Pain is always something that we could dive into. Always. Yeah. Um, my patient success story, like just started seeing her a few weeks ago. She has had cancer four or five times. Like it's recurring. And they told her like, Hey, the type of cancer you have is recurring. And I mean, it's just totally taken control of her life. And she's finally at the point where she's in her sixties, like late sixties. And it like you have chemo and then you start moving again and then it knocks you down. And so it's been really hard for her to want to even start to do physical activity again, but she has always been someone who's active. And she told me, she said, I've always been a little overweight, but I've also always been active. This is the first time that I've been overweight and it's, I'm not active. She used to be a water um, fitness instructor and her mindset was very much like, I want to see the world. I want to travel the world doesn't mean I'm going to run a half marathon or run an Ironman, but I want to be able to enjoy the time I have left. I want to be able to walk. I want to be able to hike. I want to be able to take my grandkids to Disney. I just want to be able to walk around Daniel Island. And she was like, I know it's going to hurt at first. I know there are aches and pains. I know that it's going to be hard and I know I'm going to have to push through. And I told her oh, like already, that's a huge win just to have that mindset. Like it makes my job a lot easier because she is not going to catastrophize everything. Like she knows she has to push through some things to get to the other side. Like if you, if walking 10 minutes is hard, but you want to be able to walk for an hour, like we're going to have to do some things that are hard, some things that are uncomfortable. And she, I'm seeing her a few times a week because she's, um, she's leaving at the end of, or maybe like mid July. Super motivated too though. Yeah. That's why. Oh, exactly. Yeah. And it's, it's, like how do we build up her capacity as much as we can? And she went from not moving a lot at all. And now just like having a plan to move every day. Like we almost cry at the beginning mm -hmm. of every session because she's just so happy. And she just is like the way moving makes her feel is incredible. And she was like, I know it's only been a couple of weeks, but I already feel stronger. And it's not just physical. I think she already feels stronger mentally. And we just go back to the thing of like, I can do hard things. Um, so it's been really cool uh, working with her. It's been um, a different goal than pain too, which is always um, like nice to have on your schedule because it just changes things up. And for someone who just wants to be able to, to walk and to go back to being in the pool and the kayak. Um, so yeah, it's been going really well. I'm yeah. excited. It's Shout awesome to, to watch from the, uh, you know, from the front desk <laughs> perspective, you know, I get to see that emotional, like, you know, elevation and just the happiness washing over her, which is awesome uh, to see. And I think it is. It's um, what I like about it most in both those situations is giving the control back to them mm -hmm. saying, hey, um, 
we have a goal, we understand what's at risk or what's at stake or what the feelings are going to be. And you get to control how hard you push or how fast we go and everything else. And, and you also get to be okay with the end result. And I think that's huge. Just putting that control on them and, and, and watching them succeed through that is, is awesome. Yeah, I think you're, you're changing the conversation, which I love, right? So we've talked about this, the difference between an insurance-based clinic and what we're doing in the performance-based world. And I think it is changing the conversation from I'm in pain, get my pain level down, or I'm tight and you need to get me looser to, right, like the focus of giving the patient control and focusing on what the goal is, which that changing that conversation in and of itself is so powerful. I mean, you guys have seen it, right? Like somebody just coming in and be like, hey, it's okay, you're in pain. Let's find a different way to move. Instantly, as soon as somebody accepts that, you can just change, you can just see the change in their body. You can see the change in the conversation. You can see the change in themselves. Like they just feel a lot better. They feel less anxious. And us being able to just educate people around that. I mean, that's been the the thing I probably miss the most about, you know, seeing patients is that just literally seeing that change in people. They're like, oh cool. It's okay for me to move. I can, I can still move and I can still feel good. And these are other ways I can do this. Let's keep going. This is awesome. And man, everything changes from there. Yeah. You've been seeing patients too, right? <laughs> <laughs> You've come out of retirement. What's up? <laughs> yeah. Every time I, I leave, they reel me back in. Right. Um, yeah. I mean, I got a really cool patient story and I think it's, it, it falls in line with y'all too. Right. So um, somebody reach out to me, Hannah's, you know, and Rachel are so booked. I'm like, all right, I'll take a couple patients, see how, see how this goes. Let's see if I still got it. Um, and he came in, had some shoulder issues. It's a pretty chronic issue. Um, you know, fast forward five, six visits later, and there really hasn't been any change in the specific issue that's still there, probably uh, just as much, maybe even just a little bit more because we're exploring things. Um, but he feels so much better because he understand what's going on. Just like Dane said, his, he knows what he needs to do to get better. Like, and that's just so, again, so powerful. Like um, we've changed the focus. The focus is, oh, I understand I can still move. Um, these things that I thought were like literally damaging my shoulder, like at some point I'm gonna need surgery, just changing that conversation. You know, even if, which is not very likely, his symptoms never change, he's feels so much better. Like he's really not as limited as he thought he was. And that was just, again, the coolest thing for me to see is just see somebody change from somebody who's scared, who doesn't know what's going on to the point where they feel confident in control, right? Which we say all the time, hand it, you know, nice coin that phrase, right? Like they feel confident in control and now they get their life back. They literally get their life back. And like, how awesome is that, right? They're able to go work out. They're able to do their job. They're able to live day to day. And literally their symptoms haven't changed. Just their perspective has changed, right? And just shows you how our shift in focus of from this difference from pain to, you know, their goals and them getting control is just so powerful. That's, I mean, that's how you treat chronic pain. Like you're not going to get them out of pain immediately. You're going to return them to meaningful activities first yeah and then like i think already them doing more without having like remember that graphic mm -hmm. doing more that. without having an, an increase in pain is already a significant improvement mm -hmm. and on like on rotation i used to get really annoyed about that because it wasn't like what have you done this week it's on a scale of zero to ten what's your pain been this week and it was always pain 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 and what we know about pain is the more you think about pain the more you're going to be in pain 
And like, it wasn't about adding value back to these people's lives. It was about, is your pain a 2.5 or a three? Like, why does it freaking matter? Also, um, yeah. yeah. And you never escape pain. I don't, you know, like, it, it's just a fact. Like, we're designed to experience pain. We have to. It's, 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 a, it's a trait. It's, a, it's almost a skill that we have is to experience pain. And, and, and if we use it that way, then that's, that's the intent of, of it is to, to help guide us. But that's just the key is how much can we accomplish without raising the pain to a level that we can't tolerate, right? Mm -hmm. It's like just, again, how much can we tolerate and how much mm -hmm. can we get through? And, right. and what were we capable of in spite of you know, I guess the discomfort and that's huge uh, because it changes the narrative away from let's get out of pain completely because mm -hmm. it's just not a realistic goal. No, I, uh, mm -hmm. I dropped a picture frame on my elbow yesterday. Am I, I I'm hurting. Am I, am I not going to work out today because I <laughs> dropped a picture frame on my forearm and like pain, we don't want to escape because it's protected. And the more that you let the pain control you, the more it does control you. Mm -hmm. That's just how pain works. It's very protective. And it's also, it's almost like this, it's like this outside thing that we like view this pain as like a demon, but it's actually like a protective positive thing. And it's just super interesting pain. Yeah, it really is. Yeah. I definitely yeah. find it interesting. If I've been working with someone for a while, you obviously don't want to ask them all the time, how are you feeling? What's, how is this rep? You get a point where you're saying, Hey, at this point we have a pretty good idea of what you can tolerate. I'm going to keep progressing you. It's your responsibility to let me know if you're not comfortable with something. So with that, say, how was that? And I love it when they say it's tolerable. Oh my God. <laughs> yeah. Got you right where I want you. Yeah. Like at that point, it tells me so much. That's all I need to know at the end of the day. Is it tolerable? Okay, good. Yeah. You had a really cool story actually from a coach at Sacred Fine being like something happened in a workout. Oh yeah. yeah, I, like, yeah. I don't remember. Um, oh yeah. That. Yeah, basically, um, one of the coaches at Sacred Pine, been working with him for a while. He's a big fan of Made to Move. Um, but he has dealt with some back pain on and off for a little while. And we had some, I think it was heavy deadlifts um, two weeks ago. And he had a moment where probably most of us have had this before. His back felt like it got super tense, really painful all of a sudden. And he said in that moment, he you kind of want to freak out. Like it's kind of natural. You're like, Oh my gosh, that's it. My life is done. I'm going to retire at this age. <laughs> I'm going to be in a wheelchair. I don't even have a 401k. Like your mind just starts. I don't even have a 401k. <laughs> I haven't even written a will. I don't even have yet. that many Ks. Um, but anyway, like he was like, I started to feel like that. And then he's like, I remembered everything that y'all have taught me. And I just took a few deep breaths and kept moving. Damn. So he said he, tried another rep. It was not tolerable. He went over, got a kettlebell, found a weight that it was not comfortable, right? But it was tolerable. He kept moving, scheduled an appointment with me. We talked a lot. And I was like, honestly, I'm just so proud of you because that's hard to do in the moment. Like, I think we've all been there and we all know what it does and doesn't mean what did and didn't happen. Like things like that. Our body's just trying to protect us. Something felt like a threat and it was like, Hey, no, stop. We're not, we don't like this right now. Um, but to actually apply that in the moment and keep moving to use like the application of the principles, I think is the trickiest part, right? Some of the principles are simple. Some of them we don't fully understand, but applying all of it together to each person, each situation, like that's why it's an art, right? Mm -hmm. So for somebody like that to say, 
I listened and I learned to the point that I actually did it in the moment when I was scared. I thought that was huge because that's when it matters most. We don't need to be all over someone's shoulder 24 seven. Is it tolerable? Is it, Is it tolerable? tolerable? <laughs> Is it tolerable? No, right? We need to be teaching them these things so when they're doing things in their life, they can use those principles and then look back on it. And he even said, he was like, I think to get to the point where I feel now would have taken me a month had I not done that. If I had stayed out of the gym for a week, if I had just not moved, and he's had stuff like this before, very similar. So he knew he had that bank of experience where he was like, I see such a big difference from doing this. So like, it really does matter. And I think mm -hmm. that's just a big testament to the people that listen and actually take that and apply it into their lives. Cause it's not easy in the moment. It could be easy just to stop, quit the week. I'm done. Something terrible happened to me. I'm the victim here. Or you can kind of flip it and say, okay, that happened. I'm okay. I'm going to keep moving. I'm going to do what I can do. So I just thought that was a huge testament to as a team and as just a profession, the things that we're starting to tell people, like it really does matter and it really can ch change people's lives. Yeah. Reception. Yeah, exactly. For sure. I think you uh, just coined a great acronym uh, for, <laughs> for this exact you, principle. You have to say it. No, you have to say it. It's your acronym. Well, I said as heavy as tolerable, which would be A-H-A-T, A-hat. Yeah. And I thought it was better to just go ass hat because it's easier <laughs> to remember and, you know, as heavy as tolerable. But I, I think that is a great thing, you know, to, I scale almost every workout every day. And I, I mean that in that I am constantly evaluating what am I capable of today? Last night I had a bunch of uh, snatches. I was supposed to go to 65 for snacks. I had a bunch of snacks last night and uh, I went as heavy as tolerable. No. So I, I did. I had some snatches that were supposed to be at like 65 or 70%. And I had a whole bunch of other workload. It was late. I wasn't. 100% sure that my shoulder could tolerate it. So I just scaled back to like 50% and I did all the reps. And I literally do that almost every time I work out. I definitely do it every time I drop into a CrossFit gym that I haven't been to before because I don't know where they're at in their program and all this other stuff. And like, I just want to go as heavy as is tolerated for me today. So I'm an asshat. Oh my God. Girl, if you're an asset, I'm an asset. <laughs> Me too. Or we all. I mean, the, the self-efficacy standpoint, right? Just purely of giving people the skill because it is a skill, right? We've all probably learned a lot in our own training of when to move more and when to move less, right? It's really just like a, a balance between those two, right? Sometimes right after we're injured, we just want to move less and like that can bleed into like weeks of not doing anything and you actually probably need to move a little more. And sometimes you've got so much momentum, you're feeling good, you want to get stronger, you want to do more volume and you actually should probably do a little bit less, right? Because you're going to, you're going to go over that load capacity. So that's such an important skill to have. That's taken me, you know, 38 years and I'm still working on it of when, you know, not to push volume and when to go a little bit less. Um, and I love that we're giving our patients that skill that the control is now in their hands. And that's such a better place to be than like, Oh man, like don't move this way or don't do this, or you need to do um, something totally different. Like, no, like let's talk about this easy variable to manipulate first and foremost. And it like, it is a skill that we're giving people, but like, if you think about you, it's taken you, 38 years granted the first you know few years you probably weren't thinking about it but it's taken us all this time to get to that point where like I still maybe go too hard or maybe the opposite and I 
like have studied this and I went to school for it and I do it every day. So the people that are coming to us, like the expectation is that we're trying to help you with this, but it's okay if you don't get it right away. Mm -hmm. And when someone does take it and apply it, it's really freaking cool because it is a concept that you need like a lot of foundational knowledge and also a lot of trust Mm -hmm. to be able to apply. Um, I always think it's funny, like growing up, I never wanted to be a teacher. not what a teacher <laughs> and like that's what we are right we're teachers i yeah. use the whiteboard every day I'm every a teacher. day yeah the you power homework huh? i do oh my god you're so right <laughs> oh what have i done i send emails i check up on people um but the, yeah the power of self-efficacy and i had a patient yesterday who has had knee pain has had a lot of things where people have told her like pretty much your body is fighting against you like whether it's fibromyalgia whether you have a lot of like chronic ankle sprains or you have a mouth tracking tele like every narrative in the book um she's been told that she has and she wants to be able to hike she's going to um somewhere tropical where you can hike in a few months and she was like i think if i could like back squat something really heavy i would trust my knees to be able to hike and i was like yes that is the point like i think a lot of it although it's mental, I think the physical sometimes comes first. Like you almost have to prove yourself wrong. Mm -hmm. And she said something, we were like assessing something. And I was like, how was that? (laughs) And she was like, it was mentally uncomfortable, but not physically. And I was like, there's a win. You just proved yourself wrong right there. Like you have to start noticing those moments of when you're like retraining yourself and you don't even know it. Um, And I thought what she said was just like hit the nail on the head. And it's, like, I don't, I'm not a power lifter. I don't need to back squat 500 pounds or 300 pounds like Rachel um, <laughs> to do blank. But I do know, like, I can back squat this. And that's why, like, I can go hike with my family and do all these things. And I'm not ever worried about it. And even if I do have pain, I'm like, well, I'm pretty confident in my physical abilities and in my mental abilities. So it's going to be okay. It's just that, that self-efficacy. And if you're constantly talking about pain, if you're constantly talking about form and picking things apart of you're not doing this right, or you could do this, or your scapula moves one degree different than the other side, like you just take the control away. You take the freedom of movement away. Yeah, that's so tough. Those are honestly, let's be honest, those are really just guesses, right? Like even in the most like, best diagnosis you can possibly get like it's it's honestly just a guess and when we're talking about self-efficacy and we're talking about control and we're talking about like those aren't guesses right like that's that's real right like oh i can back squat this i feel better right like that's i'm not going on tangent but um Well, from the purely from like a mental standpoint, right? Like everyone's like, oh, you need to lift heavy, blah, blah, blah. Like it's physiological. And like, you just hit the nail on the head. Like what is so important is that my mentally know that I can squat a hundred pounds, 200 pounds. That's where the power comes in, especially for most of our patients who've never lifted heavy before. It's just the confidence that they can actually do something like that, which bleeds into just everything else in their life, right? Like they don't think I can do this. And now I mentally know I can do this. And where else does that help them? It helps them in a thousand different ways. And nobody talks about that shit. Everyone talks about all the physiological crap, which fine. I'm happy you've got more sarcomeres. I'm happy that you've got this, you know, neuro. 
whatever, right? But like what I'm more excited about is that you feel amazing and that you feel strong. And now this is something that you're ready to do in the rest of your life. And like, let's talk about that more because I think that is honestly way more challenging than talking about what diagnosis you have or talking about how your scapula moves or talking about, you know, the alignment of something else. Like that stuff, in my opinion, matters very, very, like a lot less than people think. It may even not matter, right? But we can have that conversation later. But it matters some, but in very small contexts. So let's talk about the mental side of things. Let's talk about how important that is. And nobody's willing to have that conversation. It's scary for us as healthcare practitioners because, again, it's not in our control. I can't control that, right? Like that's much harder for me to to dig into those things. They're more uncomfortable conversations for us. We'd rather talk about easy things. Like, oh yeah, your scapula moved three degrees. Like what? Why does it, what? How do we huh? measure that? Yeah. The, um, the barbell physio actually posts about this a lot because right now there's a lot of research of like showing that deadlifts are as effective as all the other weird back exercises for like back pain and back rehab. And it's not to be like, oh, deadlifts are as effective. Now it's like, hey, if you don't deadlift though, you're missing out on the whole psychological benefit of picking up heavy shit and like having your patient pick up something heavy from the floor. And like there are, if, if all the physiological benefits are the same, then great. We can choose from a lot of things, but you are doing a disservice to people. If you don't choose the thing that gets the physiological benefit and the psychological benefit, and that makes them healthy and feel strong and powerful and confident for the rest of their life. Um, so I always think it's interesting. Like he posts that stuff, like you can do all the bird dogs that you freaking want. But if you're not deadlifting, like your patients are missing out. Yeah. And that's what I love. And we said this before, but there's so many obvious benefits to why you should strength train. But I think ultimately we know that pain is related to a threat response. So I like to tell people, Hey, as much as we're getting you stronger so that you're physically stronger, we're also building a bank of non-threatening memories. We get to put things in a pile of this is no longer a threat. So as soon as that pile is bigger than anything you want to do in your life, right? I mean, it's, it could be a never ending pile. So you just, you know, up your goals essentially, right? Money That's the, the beauty of it. You Money in the bank, baby. <laughs> but ultimately you're building that bank of non-threatening memories. And that's what confidence is like. That's what confidence means to me. I know that my ability to handle this is greater than the demands or fear of the task. Like, yeah. right. If you go into something with confidence, you think, I can handle like my ability is greater than whatever I'm going to come up against. Yeah. So as soon as I can put things in a pile of maybe it is related to your back squat. Okay. I set this goal and I worked towards something that I didn't think I could do. Now I could do it. What else can I do? Mm -hmm. I'm not going to be threatened by other things because I can do that. Essentially. I love that. Yeah, I think even, you know, I don't have anything to quote from like studies, but I know that currently within the, you know, the psychiatric world, a lot of them are looking like deep into, you know, the physical activity mm -hmm. side of things and, yeah. and getting patients that are there for depression or for anxiety or whatever to move more and to, to challenge themselves in these other ways because mm -hmm. those small wins, just like you said, that every time I cross something off the list that I'm capable of doing, it's now arming me to be able to handle more and more and more throughout life. And, and I think it's, it's so true. And you see it every day in CrossFit gyms, like watching people that have never done a certain task and all of a sudden now they've done it for the first time 
you know, they just the confidence level continues to shoot up. And it's just, mm-hmm. they get more confident with every class, with every rep, with every new skill that they generate. And it's, it's really powerful. Uh, it's, it's amazing to see. And I think it's part of the reason why we're probably all sitting in this room is, is just our own journey of overcoming every obstacle that has been there. And a lot of that has been related to fitness, but it carries over to professional and, and relationships and everything else. I, I, I mean, I know for myself, I didn't lift my whole life. I was, I mean, I played athletics and stuff and I, you know, I played sports, but lifting was the truly kind of like where I transitioned from just playing a game to doing hard shit. And when I started doing hard shit, that's when I started to recognize that I probably have more potential than I thought I did previously. Mm -hmm. And that's powerful. That's why it translates. Um, talking to Coach D on the podcast a few weeks ago, like being able to get these people to lift is so much more than like, oh, you're going to get your back squat higher. You're going to get a stronger bench press. It, it translates to the rest of your life. If you're able to accomplish this. And also, like, I think you said it, a lot of it is in the beginning, they're like, I don't know if I can do this. I'm going to set this goal. And then after they get it, they're like, I'm going to do this next. Like the whole mindset changes of, I don't know if I can do this. I'm going to try it to, okay, what am I going to smash next? And it's like, it's just the, the, the power of lifting. Um, it's so much more than like getting big and getting strong. Like that is amazing. But how does it translate to the rest of your life? The power of self-efficacy. Yeah. Well, yeah I, go ahead. Go ahead. No, you go ahead. Come okay. On, <laughs> So I'm reading a book. It's called The Story of the Human Body. It talks a lot about where we came from and what's going on. And like, we're having this, like such a good conversation. And the bottom line is like, especially for our patients, like the question, if they need to lift heavy is like, it's not even a question. Like it's what we were meant to do as human beings. Do you know what I mean? Like we should be doing this every single day and like it should be a part of our lives and it's not and now we have to go out of our way in order to do these things on a regular basis and that's just the bottom line like mm-hmm. sorry conversation over like you need to lift heavy things <laughs> you, know, you know what i mean because so relative anyway yeah. i love when eve gets sassy well and i think that it's even true to the mental capacity standpoint like it's not just heavy like you know mass right it's just doing heavy shit mm-hmm. like heavy shit can be having hard conversations Oof. right Heavy shit can be public speaking, you know, like it can be taking tests or whatever. Those things that really that you're afraid of because it's unknown or whatever. And all of a sudden, as soon as it's known, just like Rachel said, that pile gets bigger and bigger. And you're like, I can pretty much handle anything. Because we respond to stress. Right. Humans respond positively to stress dosed appropriately. <laughs> um, as heavy as so, like you brought up a, a point, Eve, and I had a patient that pointed this out to me. He was like, I, I mean, he's in his 70s, and he's like, I see people all the time, and they're working out at O2, or they're like crushing themselves in the gym, but all they do is sit all day. And they were like, he was like, we've taken completely out like physical activity in our day, and then we've plugged it in at this hour in the gym. And it was just an interesting um, outlook. It's like, we have... We have the convenience of driving, of Uber, of computers, of microwaves, of other people like outsourcing, blah, 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 that we don't really have to do any manual labor in our daily life or in our work. We can sit at a computer all day and treat people. Like I could sit on a computer all day and treat 
probably eight patients a day if I wanted to. And then I probably feel like shit. So then I have to go home and cry. But it was just an interesting mindset of how we were meant to be doing all of this physical activity, but like maybe Western society like took it out and then you don't have the energy at the end of the day to do it. And so that's why so many people are sedentary because we're not doing it organically anymore. We're not doing it naturally anymore. So you have to seek it. You have to pursue it now. Yeah. That's in all of facets. Like just like what Dane said, like stressing ourselves mentally, physically, and emotionally, you could go your entire life and probably live a very convenient life without ever stressing your body. But we're realizing is that creates depression, anxiety, and has all these bad, like bad things associated with it. So we need to stress ourselves in lots of different ways. And that's just the bottom line. Like I'm trying to get people to do that more, less physically now, more mentally with the coaching I'm doing. And it's the same damn principle. It's just like, Hey, this is uncomfortable. Guess what? If you do this and if you, and if you build confidence this way, you're going to be happier and you're going to get more out of your life. Are you willing to do that? Yes or no. Right. Just funny how all these principles literally are just universal. Like, you know, stress is a natural part of life. Are you willing to make yourself uncomfortable and put a little bit of stress so you adapt in a positive way? Yes or no? It's that simple. Like, no, cool. You're going to continue to be miserable probably. If yes, then guess what? You're going to grow. You're going to be more confident. You're going to be um, probably a better, functional, more happier human being. Do you want to live a convenient life? Like, oof, man, does that get me going? Yeah. I lived a convenient life. (laughs) It's like, congratulations. Like Like most of our world. You come into this world screaming. They never sign a piece of paper that say, you are entitled to a quiet life that is pain-free. Congratulations. You are now a blob. You are a blob. There's uh, I was, you know, there's a book that that I'm really interested in reading. Uh, It's called the comfort crisis, embrace discomfort to reclaim your uh, wild, happy, healthy self. Um, And I, I think it's just like, it's about that same thing. It's just, you know, getting uncomfortable and like that being the true path to happiness or to, you know, yeah. your, your pain-free life, I the guess. Wild, so, yeah. pain. like, wild, happy life. Is right? that what it says? Wild, healthy, wild, wild happy, healthy life. <laughs> wild, happy, healthy There's a lot. Life. There's a lot there to unpack. But, but all yeah. we do is we work all day. The comfort crisis. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, like, uh, I mean, think about a child. If they, you think it was comfortable them to learn how to walk and fall 50, 60, 70, 80 times? Like, no, right? You think my kids just like want to sit around and not like go through uncomfortable and challenging things. Like as we hike around, all Liam wants to do is like jump from the highest peak and climb and like, I have to almost stop him, right? And when, at what point in our lives do we lose that ability to like push ourselves a little bit, right? And like a lot of us have lost that ability. It's just the bottom line because I love it. We're, we're just living a convenient life. That doesn't even sound like that just no, sounds sexy at all. No. But also like with that, like Liam being that kid, like I was not that kid. So like how much of that is personality of like I seek out challenges or I don't. And I think a lot of these things, like you can see it in the person in front of you. When I'm seeing a seven-year-old, like there's a lot of different ways that seven-year-old can behave. It's I'm willing to take on this challenge. I know it's going to be hard or I don't want to ever feel pain again. I want to live a comfortable, convenient life. And like how much of that is personality and just ingrained in in your experiences. Cause that's like where we respond to stress and how we recover and how we adapt is so largely based on our, our past experiences, like the positive experiences, the negative experiences. Um, So it's not just like, it just goes so deep. Yeah. 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 I mean, those were walls get put up, right? Like you succeed in some aspect because you put up a wall one day 
chances are that's like, that's your, your mechanism of kind of whatever the protection. So you, mm. you, it hurts when I bend my knee. So I stopped bending my knee. And, and while I may have solved that problem, like that was, you know, my experience and I, I succeeded at getting whatever I wanted, which was to not have pain in my knee. I lost a lot of other aspects, but I don't know what I lost because that's not what I'm focused on. And I think that's where we put those walls up in a lot of our lives. And it's, it has to do with the past experiences. So now when I'm 70, it's like, man, I've, I've, I've gotten rid of so much of that other stuff. I just want to be in a comfortable place. And I, I agree. It's not where I want to be, but I, I guess, you know, there's people out there that are definitely experiencing that. How do you change that? That's tough. You, like, it, you have to build that relationship to start questioning. You want to be comfortable doing what? Be yeah. dead? Yeah. Like, honestly, though, is that comfortable? Is feeling nothing comfortable? Yeah. What is comfortable? The lack of anything? So you want to feel mm. nothing. Yeah. So you want to be dead. No. <laughs> right? It's not that. I mean, that's very blunt. Yeah, it probably wouldn't be that blunt. Probably no, no, not. not the first one. Um, you hit it on the head because you said it before. You're building a bank of uncomfortable I don't even know how you said it. You said it really well. Like non-threatening, non-threatening memory banks. Like I think that's an amazing way to put it. <laughs> it really is like you're putting money in the bank. Like, yeah. I said it yesterday. Like you've had a lot of negative movement experiences with this. We need to build up positive experiences with this movement. It's just yeah. all. Yeah. And I, I do think that that is, is a very good highlight to say that the longer that goes on in life, the more difficult mm -hmm. it's going to be to, to build a bank, right? Yeah. So like the sooner we can start and, and have a continuation of kids doing it, high school, college, you know, professional and so on, like that's where, you know, we want to build that bank and hopefully help because the longer it goes, the more difficult it is going to be to, to build the bank. And um, yeah, I, I, yeah, it's just, yeah, it's very interesting. I think you just have to plant the seed and then just keep watering it. You have to be like, as we want other people to be consistent, like that's, and it's hard sometimes because sometimes it's frustrating. We're like, oh, you were so in last week and now you're so out. Like what happened? But it's like, no, it's just being that consistent voice. That's overall, we're being, we're giving a very positive mes message. Like you have the innate ability to adapt to this. We are just using all these factors to your advantage to help you use something your body wants to be able to do. And I think it's just that consistent, <laughs> that consistent message over and over and over again. And at the end of the day, nothing speaks louder than progress. Mm -hmm. When people start to notice they can do things that they couldn't do before, I think that's our biggest thing. So it's like you said, goals. If you meet a goal, you don't, and you set that goal and you care about it and you meet it, no one can take that away from you. Yeah. Small steps, right? Like it's yeah. just so massive. Mm-hmm. When we uh, talked about uh, in the podcast once before, like what healthy means for me, it was also like having more options. So like as you get stronger and as you are able to do more, you just have more options. I think that's a big piece of it, right? I feel physically able. I can do this mentally. I'm not uncomfortable with this anymore. I think that's a big part of it, right? Like when you're afraid of everything and you're not willing to do anything, like think how scary and anxious and depressed you probably are, right? So for me, it's just like, you know, we just want to be able to just, again, move throughout the world and be able to just do, honestly, everything we want, right? So, like, I want to be able to have access to as much as possible. And, like, the stronger we are, like, and I think it comes down to physicality, too. Can I just physically do these things? Um, it's, I just think it's way more important than we think. 
That's like a basic human right is to be able to, like you were, you were made to move. <laughs> you were born with the ability to move. And like, when that gets taken away from you, it's like, oh shit, like what now? Like, how am I going to do X, Y, and Z when I can't even do this without pain? But then like the more that you think about that, the more like the darker it gets. Um, and that's why like, chronic pain is, is tough because it's hard to break that cycle. Yeah, for sure. And it's so much um, like mentally, it's all, it's not all mental, you know, it's physical, we have receptors and things like that, but <laughs> everything is, ends up being, being yeah. mental for sure, just because of the way that we were made. Um, I always like how we have like four different topics and then we talk about one thing. Yeah. Yeah. Just go deep, right? We kind of all relate. Yeah. Um, we have, so we're going to choose, would we rather discuss the whole like work wells, moving well thing, or would we rather discuss the concept of stretching and mobility? Oh, I think the movement quality. Uh, okay. Yeah. But yeah, you're right. Stretching is stupid. <laughs> why would we ever be talking about My that? question with stretching was like, why do we think that stretching is the cure for everything? But we yeah. can have a separate podcast. Do you want to talk about stretching, mobility, come to uh, mobility? <laughs> right. <laughs> that was a great segue. We actually planned that. Um, yeah. When we talked about a little bit of like, your scapula is moving this way, you're like moving well in this way. And we were discussing it this weekend. So it was the Mid-Atlantic semifinal. Um, which Jason Hopper smashed. Shout out, shout out. <laughs> um, shout out to the rookie. It's just super exciting. Man, crushed but it. if anyone watched it, you might have noticed Brooke Wells, she came in third, didn't mm, she? I think so, yeah. She almost came in second, um, but Haley Adams beat her. Which also crushed it. Oh my God, what a day. Um, so Brooke just started training with Proven, which is Tia and Shane. And we also talked to Kelly about this. Um, because we're famous now um, and we know cool people <laughs> over the conference. And he was like, I talked to someone who said like, when you see Brooke, or maybe it was Mesa, I don't know. When you see Brooke, you're going to notice a difference. Mm -hmm. And her snatch actually like was pretty. Yeah. And it made me think we're always like, Oh, you don't like being moving pretty. Like, what is that? Like, what is aesthetically pleasing and why does that matter? And we had a really good discussion over Instagram DMs or was it? I don't know. <laughs> I think it was Instagram. Yeah of why when it does matter when moving well quote unquote matters so i wanted to try to discuss that to let the listeners know like if you're moving like a baby giraffe like sometimes that's okay when is it not okay why does brooke wells need to move well Oof. this is long. I, yeah yeah i think there's there's two two viewpoints or two contexts i think in the rehab day-to-day -day life con like concept like how you move doesn't matter as much. Like you just need movement options. You know, we know that you can move in a lot of different ways in a healthy way if you slowly progress over time, right? So like, it's just not demonizing one movement is, again, we can honestly put that to bed. There is no inherently bad movement, okay? There's that one conversation. Now we've got the second conversation of performance, right? And this is where I failed physics or I didn't fail, but I needed tutoring. It's the only class where I got tutoring. Some of it is legitimately physics. It's bar path and moving weight in the straightest path possible because that's the way that you can move the most amount of weight. And I do think that's when form or movement quality does matter because yes, in the realm of performance and speed, now we're talking about things that aren't necessarily biological adaptation, but are, are literally physics and lever arms and things like that. And I do think that when something looks prettier, the quality is better, it typically means that they're moving or be able to move more weight or move a lot quicker. What do you guys think? 
I mean, I think that that's true. Like when I look at performance, yeah, levers matter, bar path matters, the straightest distance matters or the shortest distance, I should say. Um, but I, I do, I, I kind of err on the side of like comfort too. I, I hear people ask all the time, like, what is my proper squat with? Mm -hmm. Well, you know, to me, if I gave you a predetermined squat stance width and you were uncomfortable, chances are you're not going to produce the same amount of power or speed or whatever um, in that uncomfortable position, right? You're not comfortable, therefore you're going to have some apprehension and you're just going to not move as, as quickly or, or, you know, whatever the desired result is. And so I think comfort matters a ton as well. What position am I most comfortable in that allows me to move the weight the fastest or the strongest or, or whatever? And, and so Again, performance matters in terms of shortest distance and physics, but I think comfort matters a ton as well, finding those positions that you feel most comfortably for your body today. And that can change from today to tomorrow to next week to next year. And, and you see that evolution in athletes, um, but you also probably see it in yourself when you go squat on Monday and you do it again next Tuesday. It just, your stance feels a little bit better in a different position. Right. I think that two really good points is separating performance for the sake of improving and maximizing performance, separating that from injury risk, pain. Those are two very different goals, different focuses. I would say entirely different conversations. So when we do focus on performance, I wonder if movement quality is a better measure of progression. Like you're saying through an athlete's journey comparing Brookwells this year to Brookwells last year or the year before, that might mean more than comparing Brookwells to Haley Adams or Tia or whatever. Mm -hmm. I think we're all going to move a little bit differently. We all, even anatomically going back to levers, we all are built a little bit differently, right? So with that, my squat, squat might not look exactly the same as Hannah's. We measured our leg length and our torso length. We've got it figured out to the side. Also, I have weak thoracic extension but a long torso you got more or less it's not an excuse it's just a reason to work harder but anyway that's about <laughs> me um right there could be reasons that certain positions are more challenging or more efficient depending on each body type but with that it doesn't have to look the same it's not a competition or at least in the sports that i think we're talking about it's not about a subjective score out of mm -hmm. 10 we're not judging crossfit with a panel of judges that are saying how aesthetically pleasing was that workout I've never seen that in CrossFit. Well, like toast bar, like ugly movement, you know, like there's a lot of things, like when you're doing a bunch, a bunch of uh, like box jump overs, like you're hunched over, you're trying to stay low to the ground or low to the box. And we're like, that's not very pretty. What's pretty is watching someone do a dance routine or a gymnastics routine. <laughs> and that's how it's judged, right? Exactly. Not by who can do it the most efficiently. And I think like not to be a dead horse, but the problem is, is when we need to separate these things. The problem is when I see and I hear people and PTs watch someone like Brooke Wells last year move and they'd say, Ooh, that's so cringy. Like, Ooh, I hurt watching that. Why do you hurt watching that? If that's the way she moves, that's the way she's adapted to move. She's still an elite athlete and we all move very differently. Like I think we demonize human variability so much. And there's some people that are just awkward. And I'm like, how much of how, much of a problem is it that people just move awkwardly or is it just that we're placing our own like biases of hey i need you to move well and by move well i mean that means i want to watch you move 
because it is aesthetically pleasing to watch someone snatch like to watch someone snatch well you're like wow that's pretty it's pretty to watch you have seen people all the time in crossfit gyms who like don't do that motion well they're also not elite crossfitters but the problem is not that they're hurting themselves by by doing something that isn't pretty the problem is that it's probably the most the not the most efficient way to do something whether that be speed whether it be weight and so when when kelly was like oh you're going to be surprised by brooke and my first thought was well why does it matter and then like watching her this weekend she actually did better than she usually does and I wonder how much of it is because, not because they've been like, hey, Brooke, move your scapula, you know, one degree less, but because she's been focusing on being more efficient. Um, I, yeah, like you said, like, I just think it's a completely different, moving well has nothing to do with injury. And it all comes down to people thinking we can prevent injury and prevent pain. Well, like when Tia squatted last year during the CrossFit total, her knees almost touched. Yeah. And is, is that like, does she get injured right then and there? No, she won the freaking game. Right. It's yeah. not her first back squat. No, you like, see it all the time. Like, mm-hmm. I mean, it's, yeah, yeah. weightlifters <laughs> around the world do that all the time. So it's, it's that's the, uh, it, it plagues me, honestly. And it's the thing that I haven't figured out. And, and it's the context of the conversation of you have an athlete that doesn't move aesthetically well or isn't efficient. And if we change the way they move, does it make them less injurious, right? Or less likely to get injured? And does it improve their performance? How could we even really know that, right? Like, so, and I don't know the answer to that, right? You would think that the better they move, the less they would get injured and the better they perform. But like, is that true, right? You've got athletes that don't move well and beat other athletes that do move well, right? We kind of use like Sam Briggs as an option. She doesn't move very well, but she just has a crazy engine, right? So like, and there are probably situations where what's the goal, probably ultimately, mm-hmm. right? And it's probably uh, honestly a give and take that has a thousand different factors in it, right? How much time do you have to improve? Like how soon do you need to compete? You know what I mean? What's your anatomy like? Can you even get in those positions? Um, it's just so much to it. But that, that's always what plagued me is like when I would see somebody be like, all right, you know, it's easy when it hurts. It's like, okay, let's, let's give you some more options. Easy. But like when you're talking about performance and coaching and, and getting the most out of an athlete and they're competing in a sport, that's a different conversation. And I think a very complex one that you could probably get a thousand different answers from a thousand different coaches and they could all be right in certain contexts. But it is something that I just think all the time, right? Like it does movement quality. How much does it matter, especially in their performance aspect when it comes to injury over 10, 20, 30 years and performance? Because did Brooke just get better because she trained more or did Brooke get better because she moved better? Mm-hmm. I, I don't know that. I don't, can, can we even know that? I, I don't know. Yeah. That's what Brooke Wills, hit us up. Or Brooke Wills, oh hit God. us up. Uh, let us know, uh, I know, you right? know what, what you did this last well, year. Well, she changed her training. Yeah. It, you know, I think – that's a great point. And when we look at coaching and I guess just in our own communities, like, you know, the words matter uh, when we're, we're talking to athletes or patients or clients or whoever we're talking to uh, one-on-one or group classes and making sure that we're addressing that from like the idea that it's not about not doing something or, you know, the negative context or injury prevention. It's, it should be focused on that. Like, Let's move better because it's, you know, because maybe it's prettier and maybe you're going to get better results. Um, 
but not necessarily that we're trying to prevent injury or, or any other aspect. It's like, cause I hear it so often, you know, like don't deadlift like that. You're going to hurt yourself. Don't squat like that. You're going to hurt yourself. Mm -hmm. And the more that is just repeated over and over and over, the harder this discussion becomes and the harder discussions that we have with patients all the time. And I think if we just focus on how to get the most out of our performance, what are we maybe lacking and how can we get as, as, you know, efficient as possible. That's, that's the goal. Well, and like going back to motor learning and like self-efficacy, I think there's a lot of value and power in letting them figure it out. Like letting an awkward kid squat for the first time and squat probably months like that and figure it out on his own. And I can cue the shit out of him. Like I can do so many things. I can say, hold this, do that, hold this pose. And at some point, like you just have to figure out the skill of the movement that you're doing. And when we, yeah when we catastrophize and like we demonize, Hey, this, if you do that, it's going to hurt you. We take away the self-efficacy. Once again, what a way to circle back. Like we take away the freedom to explore mm -hmm. because again, like logically, if you can get into those positions, if your body can do that, it's not going to hurt you. Like it's not inherently dangerous for you to do those things. And a lot of people, a lot of people have really awkward personalities, but we're not like, Oh, they're going to get hurt. Or, like they're going to go to jail. Um, because they of might. their, they might. They might, yeah. Like why are we sending people to movement jail because <laughs> they snatch weird or yeah. they do something awkward? Like we're all freaking awkward and it's just human variability mm -hmm. and we're not all elite athletes either. That's I think a big part of it. And I think, a huge like I think repetition is one of the best teachers because you're gonna your body's gonna either adapt to it or modify to be more efficient. Ooh, that was good. Mm, I yeah, like that. So like, that at amazing. some point you can't just say we have to wait until your squat's perfect to squat. How would it ever? What even is perfect? But how would we even gauge mm -hmm. that? How would we measure it if we don't even test it? So I think some sometimes I just let people go, and I'm like. I don't really know what movement they think they're doing right now, but I'll just let them do that a few times and then we'll, <laughs> we'll revisit it because I think we all need that. Right. And if we're following, I mean, it's, there's specific goals, reasons we're assigning different tasks and constraints to movement. But at the end of the day, sometimes you just gotta let them play around with it. And you're like, okay, well that was a great swap, but I actually want you to hinge this time. You know, when you get a recorder, when you're in like third grade, <laughs> I never got better. And it sounds horrible. It never sounds and better. you either stop because your parents are like, please, this is horrible. Or you keep playing and you get better. Like with any instrument, with any sport, mm -hmm. you keep playing because you probably suck at first. Like Tom Brady didn't come out of the womb throwing footballs. He probably was an awkward kid, just like every other kid. And you got to start somewhere. I think, um, I don't know. I don't remember what you said. I, was, I already forgot it, but it was a great quote, whatever it was. <laughs> I know. Thank God. <laughs> so Brooke Wells moving well. I think it's just what you just said is just let the body do the work. We keep circling back to that. Like, guess what? The body's going to heal itself. Guess what? The body's going to figure it out. Right. Like, you know, and we've had these conversations, like does rehab even matter now? Like does coaching even matter? They're just going to learn the skill from doing it repetitively. Right. And we know it does. Right. But it's just an interesting conversation to have. Right. So it's like when to cue them, when not to cue them. It's just these intricacies that we all enjoy and just enjoy trying to figure out what's the best thing for this athlete at this right time. And are we communicating effectively? And I think that's the things that we're striving for and that matters in each and every athlete and client that walks in our door. Absolutely.
people have to have fun and enjoy what they're doing too. Cause if not, they're not going to do it anymore. Mm-hmm. And if they just stop doing it, they're definitely not going to get better. So if yeah. someone keeps yelling at you to keep your chest up every time you air squat, uh, I'm not going to get better on like 299th air squat. <laughs> I guarantee you and that's the TV state. It's not going to click. Sometimes when I, when I have patients here, like doing something new, I'm like, Hey, I'm not judging you. Like I'm especially like the first time you're doing it. And like, I find myself wanting to cue them, but sometimes I just sit back and I watch yeah. because they got to figure it out without me being there. Like, um, a patient last week, he was trying to do cat cows and it was like, he was <laughs> laughing too. It was great. And I'm like, I could tell him so many things, but at some point he's just got to figure it out mm-hmm. and I'll just watch. And he did. He did. Somewhat. He got better. <laughs> he and got that's better. the thing where ultimately I think Eve brought this up well, as long as they're meeting somewhat the standards of the movement or the intention behind it for the reason that you selected it, that's okay to let them experiment, right? If you said do cat cows and you start hanging from the ceiling, you'd be like, hey, buddy, come back down here, (laughs) right? Because that's just not even specific to the reason that you asked him to do that or your intention behind that movement. So, right, there is a point where you tell someone, hey, just go snatch. They don't even know what that means. Mm. That's that's not the point. But if I'm trying to get someone to learn how to move their spine, and, like, that's the point of a cat cow. Mm-hmm. Figure it out. Like, you got to learn how to coordinate it. It's yeah. just learning. Explore. Yes. Like, giving people the freedom to explore thoughtless, fearless movement. Ooh. Drop mic. I also have to pee because I'm drinking a gallon of water every day. <laughs> so, any uh, any last words from the team? Asshat. Asshat. Yeah. Recap. Asshat. Stretching is dumb. Go lift heavy things. You can do it. Come learn about stretching and mobility, um, and drink some mimosas. Mobilities. <laughs> I'm loving these podcasts. I can't wait to do more. I think there's such good conversations to have. So I look forward to doing more of these. Awesome. Well, everyone, thank you for listening. See you next time. Goodbye. Thank you so much for joining us, everyone. We hope you enjoyed this episode. Head on over to Instagram. Find us at Healthy Charleston. Leave us a review on iTunes. If you ever have any topics you want us to talk about or guests you want to bring on, feel free to DM us. Otherwise, thanks again.